0: What is wisdom? What does wisdom require? What does wisdom fear? What does wisdom feast upon? The readings for this week address this question of wisdom and give us different insights into what it means to be wise. In 1 Kings chapter 3, David has died and passed on, and Solomon is beginning his reign. Verse 3 says, Solomon loved the Lord by walking in the statutes of his father David, but it also mentions that he also still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. This is the scene where Solomon uh, is sleeping, and the Lord appears to him in a dream. God asks him, What should I give you? And Solomon replies, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant David because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Lord, my God, you have made now your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among your people you have chosen, a people too numerous to be counted, So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, Because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you ask for discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. The Lord also tells Solomon that he will also give him what he did not ask for, riches, honors, and um, he will not have any rival uh, in these things for his entire life. And so this is a promise that God keeps and that Solomon uh, experiences. The rest of Solomon's story, of course, includes a great downfall, a wonderful consolidation of the kingdom, and yet at the end of his life, he succumbs to foolishness. His heart was led away uh, because he started practicing the things uh, that the Lord had told him not to do. So one of the major features of Solomon's reign is this move from great wisdom to great foolishness, from great wealth to great poverty, the consolidation of the kingdom to the division of the kingdom right after his death. But here, In this story, one of the emphases of this story is the importance of wisdom, that God uh, accepts and values and favors the request for wisdom. And one aspect of Solomon's story here that is very clear is that God values the request for wisdom, and he is ready to give wisdom to a servant with a receptive heart and a servant who has the wisdom to request wisdom Of the Lord, and he gives it freely uh, and then expects Solomon to walk in that wisdom. Here, the Lord communicates the great value of wisdom. It comes from him, and it is to be sought above security, above prominence, above reputation. To walk in wisdom is to walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. In Psalm 111, we move from a narrative description and discussion of the nature of wisdom. ...to a poetic discussion of the nature of wisdom. Psalm 111 begins with worship, discusses the Lord's works, and then moves to the nature of wisdom. The psalm begins in verse 1, Praise the Lord! I will praise the Lord with all of my heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the Lord's works are great, studied by all those who delight in them. All that He does is splendid and majestic... His righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has provided food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And then, after a discussion of the nature and power of God's works and how they are displayed even to the nations and are established forever, the psalm ends in verse 9 by saying that he has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. And then in verse 10, the final words of the psalm are, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. So here we have this really interesting connection between the works of the Lord in redemptive history, the worship of the Lord, and then the nature of wisdom. Part of what it means to fear the Lord is to recognize His absolute sovereignty, His awe-inspiring power, and His gracious condescension to us in covenant. Fearing the Lord in the context of wisdom means that we order our lives in light of who God is and what God does. The gospel reading for this week comes from John chapter 6. This is the passage where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This passage is always confused and intrigued early and later readers because this is the passage where Jesus speaks of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. What could this mean? One of the things that I want us to think about is the way that this passage relates to communion and the pursuit of wisdom that we've been talking about. Psalm 111 had said that the Lord feeds those who fear him through the covenant. He also said that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. In John 6, 29, Jesus speaks of the work of God, that you might believe in the one he has sent. Uh, The people respond, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see you and believe you? What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, "'Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world.' Then they said to him, "'Sir, give us this bread always.' "'I am the bread of life,' Jesus told them. "'No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever thirst again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe.' Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The people began to grumble uh, because he said, I am the bread from heaven. And they say, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we now say I have come? How can he say I have come down from heaven? And Jesus answers them. Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless my father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught of God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. There's a lot going on in this particular passage, uh, this the sayings of Jesus. One way to get a handle on this is to look before and think about something that comes after this passage. Jesus has just said that the will of the Father is to believe in the one whom he sent, Christ, and the work that he is doing. Um, so this is one way to think about partaking of the flesh and blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm is to believe in the work that he is doing and have life in his name. Later in John, John chapter 15, the language of abiding in Christ, abiding in the Son by the Spirit, comes into the foreground as a way of talking about the closest possible intimacy uh, between a believer and, by faith in Christ, the Son. And so thinking about what does it mean to abide in Christ in the nature of union with Christ. So those who are united with Christ, the most intimate form of relationship with the Son that is possible. So within this context, uh, we can kind of get a handle on what's going on here. Jesus is speaking of the relationship between the Father and the Son, and the relationship between the Son and those who believe in him. Uh, So If you believe in Christ, you are caught up in this relationship between the Father and the Son, and you will be nourished by this relationship as you partake of Christ in union with Him. The final reading for this week comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Here Paul discusses the nature of the Christian life by returning to the theme of wisdom. He says in verse 15, "...pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise." making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. This is a wonderful passage, and reading it in light of the readings for this week help us to see a few things. One, the theme of wisdom, uh, the theme of the Lord's will, uh, God's sovereignty, and living in light of that. And also the idea of submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. As we talked about before, the fear of the Lord relates to living in light of God's sovereignty, God's covenant, and the way that God has ordered the world. And here paul says that we should submit to the fear submit to one another in the fear of christ this passage helps us keep wisdom in trinitarian perspective all under the rubric of what it means to follow and understand the lord's will here we see how do you accomplish the lord's will by being filled with the spirit by giving thanks to god the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and doing this, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And all of this is a filling out, a reflection upon what it means to be wise, not as unwise people, but as wise. How can we avoid playing the fool? Only by the work of the entire Trinity. Collectively, the readings for this week show us different facets of the nature of wisdom. Solomon's narrative shows us the wisdom of requesting wisdom and its great and exceeding value. Psalm 111, the psalmist shows us the source of wisdom as the fear of the Lord and connects it to worship, a remembrance of the Lord's work in covenant. Uh, the Gospel of John emphasizes the nature of union with Christ as the wisdom of God and the importance of abiding in Him by trusting in Him as our only source of salvation. And Ephesians 5 shows us walking in wisdom involves pursuing the Lord's will, giving thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, and allowing the Spirit to fill our lives with all manner of speech that edifies other believers and that glorifies God as Lord in our own hearts. What's more, reflecting on the failure of the first son of David reminds us of the victory of the future coming son of David. Where Solomon's wisdom turned to foolishness, Jesus' work as the wisdom of God endured the foolishness of the cross so that we might walk in wisdom by being filled with the Spirit. Here we sense the terror and comfort of the pursuit of wisdom. When I reflect on the pursuit of wisdom in this high standard of the fear of the Lord, I realize that I'm not capable of being wise. My heart is not strong enough for this type of wisdom. But the gospel is that I can fear and tremble before the only wise one. He has sent the Son and poured out the Spirit that by faith allows me to walk not as unwise but as wise, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Reflecting on these texts can convince you that wisdom is worth the wait. It takes time for God to do this work in you. But his promise is that you can abide with him at every step along the way. These texts also can convince us that wisdom is worth the weight. It is a burden that he himself carries for us. Trusting in him allows us to walk in wisdom, even if we feel like fools. Praise the Lord for his grace.